Welcome to Words, Words, Words. This is your host, Robert Tinajero. On this episode, I'm joined by two guests and friends, Tony and Zach, to recap a number of topics from the last about 18 episodes. So every 10th episode, I always do a recap episode of the previous nine topics, but I didn't do that um, last time. So now I'm trying to cover a number of topics um, and I chose a few of them, some of the, the more interesting ones, I think, um, to talk about. And so I'm going to talk about various, we're going to talk about various topics. Some of them are serious, some of them are, are light. All of them always have to do with rhetoric, right? writing, language, and communication. Um, just as a forewarning, if you have kids uh, and you don't want them to hear cussing, there will be some cussing in this episode. One, because we just might cuss, and two, because one of the topics deals directly with cussing. And so we will definitely be talking about cussing in that section, obviously. So welcome, Tony and Zach. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it started. Um, all right. So topic one. So uh, I don't know, about 12 episodes ago, I talked about motivational words or like tactics that are used while people are working out. So thinking about when you're like lifting weights or running or playing sports, right? You might have, you might tell yourself or have someone be like, come on, push yourself. You got this. Um, and so just as a quick example, you know, I, I've played tennis most of my life. And I remember when I would play tennis matches, I would talk to myself and I'd be like, I'd be like, come on, fucking Bert, like do this. Right. My name's Robert, but I go by Bert. Um, and so that like, cussing and just talking to myself not even cussing a lot of times i was just like come on come on would push me and i've never had a personal trainer but i work out at this place called hotworks and they have like this virtual trainer on the screen and they're always saying these little things and sometimes i'm like okay i understand how this can motivate people and other times i'm like laughing at it i'm like this is silly and so let me just ask you all when you all are working out or playing sports or lifting weights or whatever do you talk to yourself or have you ever had a personal trainer or what are any of your thoughts on this? I'm big on the talking. Um, I like to talk. I like to talk to myself to get myself in the right headspace. Is One, it in your mind or are you actually saying it out loud? It uh, depends. Um, probably both uh, at times. Um, but like, you know, I, you know, talking about like lifting weights in high school, I trained at Metroflex gym, which is where Ronnie Coleman trained. Nice. Uh, and I mean, and so my trainer trained him and, you know, it was lightweight, baby. I mean, that was what they yelled. That's what Ronnie Coleman would yell whenever he's, you know, world heavyweight champion for however many years in a row that he was, yeah. you know, the champion. Um, so, so that, that always stuck with me in like lifting. Um, and then, you know, same with sports, you know, I, I think if you, when you, you speak it, you can get your head in the right place, right? Speak it into existence, right? So some of the hype up, like, you know, let's fucking go Bert, let's fucking go Zach, right? Like, let's do this. Um, I think that works. And then same with like, you know, when you're just in a team thing, whenever you go back to a timeout or a pregame or a whatever halftime talking that like, Hey, we're going to get this done. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Let's do it. We got this, you know, it's kind of that, you know, will it into existence kind of thing. Yeah. Tell yeah. Me. It's really interesting. So I, I was a, I was a runner <laughs> since I was a young person and always had running coaches, cross country track coaches and so they're in your ear all the time with their motivational speech from the sideline or when you pass them at a checkpoint. But then after I stopped running as a, you know, student athlete, when I got to college, it was just me and music, you know, I started listening to headphones. And so I kept up with it and all that. In the last, in the last year or so, I've been running and listening to a popular, um, you know, fitness app. It has like a combination of music and then coaches that are yelling in your ear. And it really has made a significant uh, improvement, but I also feel um, it motivates me more to actually get, like the hardest thing about working out for me is just going and doing it. Mm -hmm. But knowing that I'm going to be listening to a coach actually gets me more motivated yeah. than just knowing I'm just going to be going out and running on my own with it, without it. And that's interesting. To music. Well, that, yeah. That's been big for me. I mean, I, one of my last several, two or three years, I've stuck with Peloton. Mm-hmm. And having that coach in your ear, whether it be bike, run, whatever, yeah, is huge. And are there yeah. are there coaches that you 
Oh, absolutely. Prefer, <laughs> but not just prefer like their <clears throat> vibe, but like the things you they like say. the yeah. things they say. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think there's some that you just want to listen to, like when you're just wanting <clears throat> to get a light workout in. There's some that are going to motivate you to like, you know, really get after it. Yeah, and I think that there's a difference between the two, but and then there's some that I think are just kind of cheesy and corny, like you were saying about yeah. some of your stuff, like. Some of it can be just a little like, okay, that's yeah. for me. There's some coaches on the app where, for me now, it's it really narrowed it down to the handful that I like, and I won't even give the others a chance because it's the only the coaches I like. Mm-hmm. Today, for example, I did a short run, but it was the third time I listened to this workout in a week because it was the distance I wanted with the coach I wanted. Yeah. Instead of trying a different coach. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that person's rhetoric. Yeah. I just thought about this today because uh, I go to this place called Hot Works where basically you're in a sauna room 130 degrees and i'm on a stationary bike and um and honestly now i usually turn off the volume like i rather play my music or i rather i know it doesn't sound like you're working out but sometimes i'm on my phone checking my email and it makes me forget that i'm like cycling in a 130 degree sauna room oh and it gets my mind off of it but sometimes i keep it on and definitely there's times where uh, things they say kind of motivates me or, or seeing the clock and seeing how much time I've left is also a psychological thing. But sometimes they say corny stuff like a girl this in this class says um, there's seven days a week and one of them isn't named some isn't called someday. <laughs> right. And that's her catchphrase. <laughs> and that's one of her catchphrases. That's one of her catchphrases. I'm like, this is really corny. And it doesn't like slow me down or speed me up. But it's like, I don't know, at some point I'm like, I understand that it can motivate and it does motivate, but sometimes it's like, this is just corny. Like, I'd rather talk to myself or listen to music, right? Instead of having a personal trainer be like, like, you know, you can do this, sweat it out or whatever they say, right? Like at this point, I, I kind of find some of that do stuff you, corny. Do you still talk to yourself like on random workouts? Or I don't in, in those work, you do in tennis and in basketball, basketball. I do sometimes like if it's more like when I make a mistake like yeah like come on Bert don't be stupid or like come on you got this or like be aware like I'm I'm it's more mental like I rarely said well sometimes I say it out loud and something we'll talk about later is cussing but something that I'll do if I'm like in playing a sport intensely is like cuss at myself or cuss out loud and it lets something out i don't know it just mm-hmm. helps mm-hmm. me play mm-hmm. do you do you talk to yourself when you run yeah i do and like, as a matter of fact i'll sing along when the when there's a song that's very motivating and i sing along and it really pushes me to the next level but do you ever say tony like come on tony you got this i don't i no. don't do you say anything like motivating other than like singing or whatever no i don't but but Something that Robert had said about the catchphrases of your, the coaches, and I think that's the thing that brings me to those coaches is their catchphrase. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some don't resonate with me, and some really do. And some I'll say, so my, you know, my wife's a runner too, and some I'll say to her, and she can identify. Yeah. <laughs> identify the. Coach. Yeah, right. Well, that's a perfect segue <laughs> that you bring up coaches um, into our next topic. So this kind of still has to do with motivation and like physical activity. And so I want to talk specifically about another topic I covered in an episode, um, several episodes ago, was um, a coach, this was several years ago, at least 10 years ago, um, in the NFL, a defensive coordinator, his name was Greg Williams. And so he got in trouble with something called Bounty Gate, right? Uh Where, Where they were like, he or other players were combining their money to pay players if they injured a player on the other team. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to talk about the, the, the money portion of Bounty Gate, I want to talk about, like, the speech, one of the speeches he gave, right? And his, his rhetoric, his discourse in that. So I'm going to play a little bit of this, um, and I just want you to hear. Once again, he was the defensive coordinator for the uh, New Orleans Saints. Um, and I know this was a while back, but clearly this still happens, right? Right. Um, and we can talk about all sorts of sports, but in this one, we're kind of zeroing in specifically on football, which is more, you know, a contact sport, more violent. Um, and so let me play a little bit of what he says, and then I'll recap some of his main statements, and then I'll have some questions uh, for you all to consider. 
Okay, so if you're interested in listening to the full audio, that was that was a huge, a big chunk of it uh, on YouTube. You can look up Greg Williams Saints Bounty audio. And so, so once again, I don't want us to talk about the bounty gate of of paying players on the side to hurt players on the other team. I want to talk about coaches, specifically in football or maybe other sports, that are trying to motivate their team. And so, I just want to give a quick recap of some of the things that this coach was telling his players at halftime. So he says, kill the head, the body will die. Um, he talks about a running back on the other team. He says, says, kill Frank Gore's head. He says, we want his head sideways. He says, knock the fuck out of him. He says, lay that motherfucker out. He says, before you get off the pile, affect the head. He says, this is how you get respect. He says, take out that outside ACL. Um, and he says, beat Frank Gore's head. So my question is, is this fair game and truly motivational, especially in the sport of football? Or is this crossing a line and we don't need that kind of rhetoric coming from a coach in a halftime speech? See, I love, I mean, I played football from like age seven, eight through college. And I love, you know, I mean, football's a violent sport. Right. I mean, there's just no getting around that. And you have to play with a certain level of violence out there, but it's a contained violence. Um, And I like some of that rhetoric, but not this. Right. I mean, I think that and clearly, you know, Greg Williams went too far and and that's where, you know, the whole culture of the bounty gate comes from. Right. And he's promoting injuries. Like I like, but is it clear? I've talked to this with a lot of my students and for some of them, especially ones that have played football, they're like, this is fine. Like, he's exaggerating. Well, it's not crossing the line. Right. I like the knock the fuck out of him, right? I love the, you know, maybe a couple examples of, you know, we're going to hit him in the head. We're going to hit him hard, right? And that may be, you know, I get, you know, we're, we're learning more about CT, concussions, all those things. Great. Um, but still, hit him in the head, right? But he keeps coming back to it. And then some of the other references he makes, like, right, I love the line about Crabtree, right? We're going to find out, is he a prima donna or is he going to be a tough guy? But then he follows it up with, we're going to see how much he likes him when we hit him in the ACL, right? Like, come on. Like, there you are just starting to talk yeah. about hurting people. Yeah. Violent rhetoric in football seems part of the game. Like, it's, it seems fair game. But 
it, it actually, in my opinion, just listening to the speech, it, it takes away almost right. from the impact of the speech when he becomes so specific. Yeah. It could be a very motivational, pump you up kind of speech using violent rhetoric. But when he gets so specific about kill the head, the ACL, it, it's like, this is kind of a stretch analogy, but it's like when you see a woman in like a little bit of clothes and she looks really sexy, you know? And then when you go all the way... It's like a level. It's like a different level, right? And it's almost. So you think it's specific. more motivational to keep it general? Like, yeah, exactly. Like hit the I shit out of them. Well, yeah. look, think, I mean, it's Hollywood. It's not real life. But when you think of like every movie, football speech, they they don't get to that level. Not even close. And those are motivational as hell. Yeah. And, yeah. and I get like the lines of like, we're gonna knock their ass out. We're gonna you know run through a wall. We're gonna you know. Make them mm-hmm. like you know. Remember Titans, right? Whenever Coach Boone in that movie is like, you know, we're gonna make them. Rem- or no, it's not Coach Boone. It's uh, Coach Yost when he's like, we're gonna make sure they remember the night they played the Titans, right? They're gonna fill every hit, right? I-, I I like that, right? Like you're going to pay for playing against me, right? You are going to hurt the next day, for yeah. sure. But I'm not talking about hurting your head. I'm not talking about taking out your ACLs. I'm not talking about putting you on the sideline. And some of that, you know, is. Sometimes it's gray, and, and sometimes it's Definitely. you know questionable where that line is. Yeah, but you know, like that speech to me wasn't very pump you up. Like I'm ready for it. It was like uh, I think you were just kind of overly specific and weird. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Do you think that that a lot of and once again we're talking about football because you know it's a little bit different from a lot of other sports because it's you know there's so much contact. But do you think that I guess I think that there are coaches and we don't we haven't heard all their halftime speeches, but right, I'm thinking, you know, maybe Tony Dungy or today Mike McDaniels isn't gonna say fucking knock his head out or take out his ACL and their teams are just as good and winning just as many games. Like do do we need that talk? Maybe some players need that talk. I don't know. I definitely think some players need it, right? I think especially when we talk about football. Um, not necessarily that. I don't. I, I. I don't think that's a great example of what is like really good violent rhetoric that like works. To me, it just. I don't know. Maybe that works for some people, but that that just doesn't have that like real. Like it's not like the cadence is weird at times because he just kind of keeps coming back to the head, the head, the head. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. Uh, but the part are, of it, at some point, I forget if it was in that clip. There was a player coming off of a concussion. Right. And, and he's concussion. like, let's find out about that. Right. Right. Let's hit him in the head and yeah. find out about it. Like, it's oddly specific, like you were yeah. saying, right? He references a, a player's concussion, yeah. references like some ACLs. But is it that odd? Because I'm assuming I didn't play football, but you did. But I, you know, I follow it enough to where if a player had a knee injury, like, it wouldn't be that surprising for players to talk amongst themselves or coaches to say, but like, let's well, find out about that knee. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, I can see it somewhat. Or even in basketball, like, you know, he had a thumb injury. Like, hey, let's swat a little at his yeah. hand. Like, I can see it more on, like, you know, we're going to test him more. You know, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I, I get the rhetoric is going to happen. But, you know, wh- whether it should or where it should. Where it, it, it just seems like a more tactful, motivational speech would be ins- inspirational. Yeah. Versus this, which yeah. is more directional. So you would, you personally would prefer something inspirational well, as opposed to like, and, let's hurt them and bring the pain to them. I, mean, I think, no, I think that you're playing football, let's hurt them and bring the pain to them. But when you talk about kill the head, target the head, yeah. go for the Achilles, yeah. it's like, they're not, out, I, I don't know, is a football player out there moving at 100 miles an hour thinking about that? They're right, trying right. to just be physical, well, be dominant. I think there are ways that you can say some of those things. To me, that would be more pump you up, right? Like talking about a guy coming off concussion, right? Let's talk about the guy without saying that he came off concussion, right? Talk about the player and go, let's see if he's ready to hit, mm-hmm. right? Something like that, right? Is yeah. he ready to play football today? Yeah. I don't know. You need to go out there and set the tone though, right? Something along those lines to me would be more right up on the line of, hey, let's go be violent without saying, hey, this guy's got a head injury, target the head. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, you are going to be hitting heads. Yeah. One thought that did come to me when I was listening to this, to this episode um, live was, and maybe this is like too tangential, but when we, we think about this rhetoric, like this is a grown-ass man. I don't know how old the coach is, probably 40s, 50s, 40s, whatever. 50s, yeah, at that point. Young and young 
athletes. Yeah. And it's like, they're still so impressionable and they're taking that, they're going to take those messages outside of the, off the field, outside of the locker room. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, th- I was thinking about like the double standard that we hold, we hold athletes accountable to. So yeah. it's like, we teach them this on the field, mm-hmm. but then that's the type of thing we see off the field. And then we hold them to a different standard, you know? Right. Yeah. Intimidation is respect or fear sure. is respect. Right. right. Yeah. And then I, I think, I think vividly about Ray Rice, you know, like, and his domestic violence incident growing yeah. up. And then suddenly Ray Rice is canceled. Right. Yeah. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't teach him on the field it's this way. These yeah. are 20, 22-year-old men, you know? Yeah. Right. And who have grown up through that. In right? this space, through yeah. Pee-wee on. Yeah. Most, you know, yeah. most football players start playing when they're seven, eight years old. Yeah. And, and they're getting that same rhetoric from people that are not professional coaches right. at a young age. Yeah. Right? right? I mean, you're getting some of those same speeches – when you're in Pop Warner football. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I'm wondering, I want to move on to the next topic, but real quick, like I'm thinking, you know, we all have young kids and if they play sports, at what point do you want a coach that is like, let's win, let maybe they, you don't, you don't, you don't use the word kill at some age, but like, let's kill them, let's dominate them. Or would you all prefer your kids have a coach that says, uh, play hard, this is how we're going to win, but it's all about sportsmanship and integrity and how you play the game. It's a fine line. Fine line. What, like, what do we want? You, like, you want competition. You want a competitive, at least for me. Um, but I also want them to understand, right, it's a game. We respect our opponents, but yet, you know, between the lines, within the rules, I want to beat them. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's finding that fine line, and that's tough. And I cross it sometimes, and sometimes I'm probably way too soft on it at times. Yeah. And, and I, I probably ebb and flow between the two. And there's yeah. a, there's a there's a fine line in the rhetorical space of like yeah like play within the rules, but I want you to beat them, or play within the rules, I want you to kick their ass. Yeah. Right. Like, what do we want our kids to hear? Well, and it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. And also, too, in the rhetorical space, it's knowing your audience. So every team is going to be different. It's going to be a different maturity level. And so maybe you can have a little bit more aggressive rhetoric with a more mature team because you know that they can separate or delimit. You're thinking about it from the coach's perspective. Yeah. What about a dad perspective? What do you want your daughter I, to hear in I sports? Want, frankly, I want, my, I want the coach to be able to judge her audience, right? Yeah. Judge yeah. her. Their maturity level. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's something like, you know, my oldest getting into sports, he wasn't super competitive early on. I don't feel like he would be like, ah, well, you know, we tried, whatever. Didn't care about winning and losing. But, like, now, I mean, he's, like, he he takes it too far sometimes, like the booing or the the smack talking a little bit. It's like, all right, you got to find the balance (laughs) of, like, talk a little smack, but yet, you know, you don't have to put people down over the top. Yeah, you know, and, and I mean, he's you know seven. He's yeah. figuring it out. But yeah. they gave me an idea for a new episode of like smack talking in sports. Yeah, like, oh, understanding totally. oh, how to do it, <laughs> understanding the situation the in your audience. Yeah, yeah, there is a nuance. The well, difference between yeah. taunting versus you know, and, or and obnoxiousness versus just you know having fun, you know, yeah. shooting the shit, talking crap. That's fun, And it right? depends on who you're talking to. Right? It, like, know, I have know some, your audience, like you yeah, said. Right? Yeah, well, that, that's what was sort of one of my thoughts when it came to this speech exactly is if he were so skilled in motivation, he wouldn't need to be so killed ahead, so violent, so specific. Yeah. Right? You would be able to cut deeper with nuance. And clearly, you got to a point to where somebody's recording them, right? Right. Be like, right. somebody in there is because this is a little that different. Yeah. That was a theme. Throughout, right? I mean, like, turns out, right, with Bounty Gate, right, that was a theme throughout yeah. their time there. Yeah. So I'm sure that he's building off that constantly, <clears throat> like, thinking of ways to, to circle back to let's really hurt these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to topic three. A total shift in gears. Uh, we're going to talk about racial comedy, mm-hmm. so the, the discourse, the rhetoric of comedians. And as everybody probably knows, a lot of comedians will use racial comedy um, to try to get laughs. Um, and so there's tons of examples. You all can yep. maybe think of certain comedians, stand-up comedians, shows, movies that use racial comedy. There's thousands of examples. 
Um, the, I'll bring up four examples that I bring up with my students. Um, one of them is the very popular show, The Office. They have an episode called Diversity Day. And so on Diversity Day, everybody uh, sticks to their forehead a different like nationality <laughs> or culture. And then they're supposed to talk or say something a stereotypical in a stereotypical way. And then the other person has to guess what culture they're from. Um, right. And so there's that. And then uh, a popular comedian today is named Andrew Schultz. Um, <clears throat> he does tons of stand-up comedy, social media posts. One of his stand-up comedy clips that I play for my students, students, he's in Houston, and he's asking what seems to be a diverse audience about the best barbecue places in Houston. And he says, like, okay, uh, white people, what's the best barbecue place? And he asks them for it. And then he's like, all right, where are my blacks at? And he's like, what's the best barbecue place? And then he kind of plays that, like, white people, do you agree? Black people, what do you think about this? And then he's like, my Mexicans, where are you at? What's the best barbecue place? And then he cracks a little joke at the end, something about like, oh, well, Mexicans are like working in all these places or something like that, <laughs> right? And so everyone's laughing. Um, I don't know if it's maybe slightly uncomfortable vibe, but you can't really tell from the video, but everybody's laughing. And, and so he has, and then there's other jokes he tells. I'm not gonna bring up all his jokes, but basically he brings up a lot of racial humor. Another example, um, on, on XM radio, I used to listen to shade 45 a lot, Eminem's, you know, XM radio channel. And this, uh, this host used to have a segment called black, white, or other. <laughs> and he would describe a crime that happened like a real life crime. And then he would have a caller try to guess who committed the crime, a black person, a white person, or other than black and white. Right. And they would be cracking up. Right. And you would see stereotypes come into play and, and, and whatever. So and then the final example, a show that used to be on the comedy um, Comedy Central years ago, Tosh.0, he used to have a segment called Is This Racist? And he would play a clip from YouTube or social media that was like sometimes it was clearly racist. Sometimes it was just vaguely racist. Sometimes it was stereotypical and um, so I have a few specific questions for you all, but do you all have any general thoughts on racial comedy? Why is it there? What is our, what are its effects on society? Well, your, your third one made me think of the Tosh.0 example, so I'm glad you had that oh, okay. one. For sure. And I also don't think, you had said it was sort of a, a real shift in topic um, from, from our last discussion. I don't think it is, actually, because I think it's all about nuance, hmm. right? Right. Yeah. Um, because what when you first presented this topic, my mind didn't go to any of these examples. Mm -hmm. And I live under a rock, so I don't know most of these. But, <laughs> but I was thinking of more like the use of racial slurs on stage, for example. I, I'm not like a big stand-up comedy fan yeah. at all. But I think the use of, of, of racial comedy in this sense could be an effective tool for understanding racism, frankly. Mm. It could also be an effective tool for breaking down stereotypes. Right. Um, and understanding differences. Um, that's interesting, yeah. You know? Well, that's where I think it's it's hugely effective, but also sometimes misses its mark. Mm -hmm. But its its intended goal, I think, most of the time is to point out the absurdities in stereotypes, point yeah. out the absurdities in racism in a way that's funny. Because it is oftentimes, you know? I mean, some of those jokes, when done right by the right people, right? Not everyone can pull them off. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a white guy, middle-aged white guy. I can't pull off the same racial jokes that Dave Chappelle can pull off. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. And I shouldn't, and I shouldn't right. be able to, and I should try to, yeah. sure. but they, they are funny, um, because you're pointing out a lot of the absurdities that are, that are there. Right. And, and just how ridiculous it is, um, that people do actually hold some of those thoughts and, and you get to point that out in a very over-the-top manner, usually. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And so, you know, especially like your, the, the first point you had would, was the, the office, right? Mm -hmm. Diversity, Diversity day, day. Where it's like way over-the-top, stereotypical yeah. uh, things that are happening by all these people in that office setting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to, just to really point out just some of the ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I have a couple of questions here. So, um, 
One might be, do you engage in racial jokes with friends that are of other races, which is a social construct, but we'll, I talk about that another way. So but other races, ethnicities, cultures, mm -hmm. one, do you do that? And two, does it change things um, when it's among friends? Um, does it make it okay, less bad, fine? What do you think? I would I would say thinking back um, to my previous statement is um, makes it in my my opinion almost worse when you're in like a smaller space because it doesn't there's no teaching moment right if yeah. you're in a comfortable space and you're using racist tropes or whatever um, there is no audience to to observe it interpret it perceive it in different ways discuss it on a different level it can almost be more more hurtful. I'm glad I you said that because. I'll let you jump in, yeah. but just so I have it on my mind. I'm actually on the opposite end because your audience is that one person who is your friend who understands the absurdity of the joke you're making. Well, but I think it depends, it, right? It can definitely depend. Because I, I mean, like for me, I think I would typically say it makes it more okay, right? To, to have some of those kind of more off the cuff or I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but some, some of those more edgier, I, I don't know, right? Those jokes that you could have amongst close friends, right? And, and, and people enjoy them. They're, they're funny, right? And maybe I wouldn't say it to the same people, but I know, you know, you, right? I may, I may make those jokes that I wouldn't make around, right? A coworker or someone else I'm not as close to, right? But, and that's okay, right? You find it funny. I find it funny and we're all good. And if, it, if we didn't, we'd talk about it. Um, but also I can see your point of there's not that teaching moment, right? So I think about some of my high school friends where I don't see them very often. And every once in a while I get with them and I hear some of the – and they're just a couple of white guys. And, and some of the jokes that they try to make where I'm like, well, mm, I guess you're missing some yeah. of the points I think here. we're talking about something different. You're saying your friends uh, making jokes about other cultures. Sure. I'm talking about – my but, friends and I'm making fun of their culture and right. they're making fun of my culture. That's where yeah, I, that's, that's where different. My, that's where my mind goes. But when you said what you said about uh, that not having that teaching moment, that's where my mind then also when I was like, well, I can see that because yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. some of those that's different those people I don't spend as much time with where they may make some jokes and I'm like, man, that that's just not funny yeah. because there's not an audience here for that. Yeah, right, and you're not saying it the way that it is actually funny. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're trying to be funny. and I'm glad I you brought about, that up because... And I don't know if that's how you meant it or not. That's exactly what I meant. That's, yeah. that's how I'm I glad you it. brought that up because I didn't realize that's what you were referring to because it's in my own mind I was thinking about uh, when I asked that question, I'm talking about making fun of a friend's, making some stereotypical joke about your friend's culture race that is different from your own. Right. Yeah. But yes, yeah. you're right. Like when I have, I'm Hispanic, Latino. Um, if I have Latino friends making fun of like Asians or blacks, like that's not cool. Right. Like, I don't put up with that. But I have a, a couple of really close Indian friends. Um, and if they make fun of Mexicans and I make fun of Indians, then I feel it is a a mockery of people that are actually For racist sure. making those comments and it's uh my audience which is my one friend right knows that i'm mocking people that think that way right mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but but yes the way what you were thinking yeah i agree well, with. well that's why and i was saying how i could see all these uh, examples as teaching moments is because it's it almost goes back to this you know maybe it sounds very corny but like you wouldn't say it if everybody can't hear it, right? Like right. these these comedians, these these platforms are said in front of millions or audience of millions, right? right? And so there's an opportunity there. But mm -hmm. if it's an audience of two or three, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say it. You know, right? I wouldn't say it. Oh, it yeah. definitely changes. Um, but but I yeah, I definitely get that, and I did not initially think of that when you brought it up. But I can definitely see that where it's. People feel comfortable when they shouldn't sometimes. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've had that example in, in, in our friend yeah. group of someone who made a, a joke that and, – and they were making it to a small group but a pretty diverse group. Yeah. 
Is it about their own just racial? Like, no, the, well, they were they were else. making it about someone else. Oh, like, somebody yeah. else. Because my but, friends, my friends and I do that, that. That joke may have landed just fine had I said it. I don't know. Probably it would have landed you know I mean? better because we're closer but we were friends. closer friends, yeah. right? To your point of how that can land sometimes. If I know you, I know your intent a lot yeah. better. That that goes in the long way, right? If I understand where the joke, especially when we're talking about in writing. That's a whole different rhetoric form when you're talking about in text or whatever, mm-hmm. um, which isn't necessarily what this was about. But knowing the person's intent goes yeah. a long way mm-hmm. when you're talking about racial comedy. And yeah. do you, I can't know the answer to this, but do you have friends that make fun of your ethnicity background? For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And, and I, I welcome it, right? I, I mean, I love racial comedy. I think it's, it, it, it's usually hilarious, right, when done correctly. It's also very cringeworthy when done incorrectly, and mm-hmm. um, it's something that I feel like I've gotten better at as I've gotten older and calling out mm-hmm. when done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not so much when I was younger, right? Yeah. I think that's probably most of us, yeah. um, and also just different times. Do you have friends that make fun of your? No, but uh, but uh, you, you know, y'all are making me think. So my my closest friend group, my closest friend group that we've all been friends since high school, growing up, and we're still all close friends. We get together. It's I'm the sole, you know, identifying white person, but in at home, like I'm the Italian person, right? Filipino guy, Chinese guy, and uh, and South American guy, and like where the that's the group. So everybody mm-hmm. has like this completely different racial background. And we do have fun racial comedy, but everyone will make it about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. In the space, it's we would never, we would never, I would never ever make a. Mexican oh, that's joke, white joke ever. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. No, and it's it's funny because I'll do it I know ways. both of you very well, and I would, I would, I know. I mean, y'all are my friends at this point, and I wouldn't be offended at all. But Zach would be more likely to make a joke, and it wouldn't bother me. Yeah, and I know you wouldn't. But if you did, it wouldn't bother me because at this point, we're close enough to be like, you can crack a joke, like whatever. Yeah. But it's, but it's also, yeah. I'm also quick yeah. to to crack a joke on my own, you know, whiteness. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, True. I'm quick to do that. I, li- I like. I don't doing think I've that. ever it's... heard you crack a joke about your Italianness. I would. I would definitely make a joke, especially in my space at home, about my white about my whiteness, about okay. my white privilege. Yeah. Yeah. About my whiteness and how I've been able to like you know enter whitehood where my right. friends haven't because <laughs> yeah. of the color of their skin. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, That's I don't know. Just yeah, it is. Good. Last question on this one, and I want to get to the next topic. Does racial comedy perpetuate racism or does it help race relations? I Both. think I think it's, it's sort of what Zach's saying. It's like if it's done well, if it's done well, it could break down barriers. It can. But and also when it's done poorly, it's really just fucking racist. Also, sometimes <laughs> the wrong audience can grab on to those things. For sure, yeah. Right? I think – and I've, I've definitely, you know, especially really reflecting on what you said – I can think of examples of people, white people, that were friends at some point in my life that I've you know re ran into or whatever. Who I hear them re say things. And I'm like, you're just you're missing it. Yeah, you're you just know? racist. Like you were, you're just being racist. Right, right, right. Because then I hear you take that and say that some other way, and you're just flat out being racist. Yeah. Um, so, so I can see it, you know, where it almost makes it feel that way, right? And I know that, I mean, that was something I feel like Chappelle talked about with Quentin Chappelle's show, right? That yeah. Yeah. this just wasn't what I was trying to do all, yeah. the, all the time. <laughs> a racist joke is racist, but a joke about race could be funny. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah. And enlightening. And enlightening. And enlightening. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. got the power to break that down, right? And it's, you know, race is something a lot of people get scared of talking about or, you know, whatever. But whenever you make it a joke... Right, it makes it now easy to digest, easy to yes. talk about, and, and, and easy to go. Oh shit! There's a little bit of truth to that. Right, you know, it it it, it softens it a little bit to go. That's funny, but holy shit, I can totally see where this is coming from. Right, mm-hmm. I think for some people, definitely, um, you know, it definitely has that that ability. So yeah. I th- I think it's probably more good than bad, but has a lot of potential to also I think yeah have people just grab on and go yeah. haha. This is funny because it's funny and yeah, you know. 
fuck other people. <laughs> yeah. I could talk about this for hours, and uh, I guess that's a segue when you say fuck other people, because next topic is cussing. Yeah. Oh, thank God. So if you're, uh, if you're, if you have kids listening, we've already been cussing, but we're going to... You gave the warning early on. We're going to cuss extra in this segment. <laughs> so next segment is cussing, and there's so many, there's so many different <laughs> ways we could talk about cussing, but in my episode... Uh, that specific episode, I started talking about the science of cussing. And so people have actually researched this, right? And so they point out, right, the left brain is connected to our logical thinking or kind of like everyday speaking. And then our right brain is connected more to like emotion and impulses. And, and scientists have found out that when we say curse words, they are not only collected, connected to our left brain, which is connected to our usual speaking, but it also lights up parts of our right brain, which is connected to like emotion and impulses. And that only happens with cuss words, right? And so a second part of this that's connected to science is that cuss words actually help in pain relief and pain tolerance. Oh, they do? Like, when we hit our fucking toe and we're like, yeah. fuck, right? It's different from saying fuck to saying like, oh, shoot. Sugar. Right? <laughs> and it literally, like, it's not just, according to the, some of the research, right? It's not just something we do and like, yes, we cuss when we get hurt, but it helps us actually physically deal yeah. with a pain tolerance. And then from a, I mean, that's already dealing with rhetoric because we're saying the cuss words. Um, but there's a quote, somebody said, an aptly timed swear word is like adding flavor to a dish, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Which is an interesting metaphor. So my first question, I have four of them in this, seg in this segment. What is your relationship to cussing? Fucking love it. <laughs> Why? I mean, just I do Why? it. Well, I remember growing up, and being told like that cursing, you know, limits your vocabulary vocabulary. But I was like, that makes no sense. Cause then you're literally taking words out of my vocabulary that I yeah. no longer can say. Yeah. That's limiting my vocabulary. Real quick. There was a, there's one piece of research that says people that cuss more tend to be more quote unquote intelligent. Higher IQs. Higher IQs, which is, that's only one step, right. but yes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, and I've, Sorry, I've heard that too, and, and I can get it. Um, but yeah, I man. Just but why I do you love it? Like, I, I think it, just it just stop cussing. It brings. I don't know. I, there's so much flavor that gets brought right from. I think in the right circumstance, the right setting, having a cuss word in your dialect, just it. it you know, like, like, especially the word fuck, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it brings <laughs> quite a bit to what you're saying that other words can't. Mm. And, and we're not going to get into some of the history of this, but it's interesting how maybe 50 years ago, the same feeling or flavor you get from fuck, somebody might've got from damn. Right. But now that psychologically has changed to where somebody says, damn, once again, I haven't, I haven't studied this. I don't know if anybody has, but like, does damn light up a human's brain as much as fuck mm, now? Right. The, the right side of what? the brain. I don't yeah. know. Tony, what's your I relationship know, to cussing? I don't think I have a, I don't know what that means, relationship to cussing. I, well, I, by relationship, I mean, how often do you cuss? What do you think about cussing? I'm not a person who swears often, but I think um, it's like a well-timed joke. Yeah. When used properly, yeah. there's highly effective. It is right? high, yeah. It's like using a certain, certain note, a certain timbre music when used effectively. You know, it's the, mo it's the most um, appropriate thing yeah. in that moment. Um, we didn't grow, when we were growing up, like, we call it swearing. Also, I say swearing. Yeah, Cussing, swearing. like, it was a word I never swearing. heard until I heard the podcast. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You'd always heard it. Swear. I've heard swearing, cussing, and curse words. Yeah. Curse words, yeah. Curse yeah. words. But yeah, we just, it, it wasn't part of us. And, and, and you know, this is an Italian-American family in, in southern Connecticut. So it's, it's a prominent space for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, we just don't do it. But I love the word did, fuck. Did your parents <laughs> I love the word fuck. swear much around you ever? Never. No, never? Never. We're, yeah, First my parents I, I, were I, you I, 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 I,
I'll remember the first time I heard my words, my father used a swear word was at the bowling alley when I was 14 years old and I was old enough to join the Men's Catholic Bowling League yeah. in West Haven, Connecticut. And I heard my dad swear. Yeah. And it was like a mind-blowing experience. <laughs> I'll never forget. Like I in high school, it was like late high school, middle high school, somewhere in there. And I was talking to my dad. And I think I had like a couple of talks about it. And then finally I was like, are you just like asking for permission to cuss in front of me? And I was like, not really, but can I? <laughs> He's like, I'd, I'd go for it if That's you want funny. to. But it was just one of those funny moments where like I'd had like several just kind of, you know, not probably not really intellectual to, conversations, but probably I thought they were. Uh, and he just was like, are you just asking to, to be able to, you know, cuss for me, it's interesting because I'm Latino and growing up, I never heard my parents say a swear word in English. And they were totally uh, bilingual, uh, but I heard swear words in Spanish. That's interesting. So they, they were they were comfortable enough to, sp- but not all the time, right? But sometimes that's where you'd hear the slip, especially from my dad. They would slip. Yeah, that's interesting because my parents are not bilingual, but they would use the Italian version of "fuck." Mm-hmm. The exclamation <laughs> "fuck." In our household, which yep. is interesting. Yeah. Which is interesting. Can you share one of those? Oh, it was just, it would, it's fangul. It's just like fuck. You know, it's like, oh, fuck, fangul. It's just like, oh, fuck. Huh, you know? That's okay. interesting. Um, so we hear that in our household. Yeah. So and we would even be able to say that. So to them, it was something different to say it in Italian as opposed to English. Yeah. In front of the kids. Do you yes. think it was the same for your parents or was it more just easier to slip up in your native tongue? For me? Yeah. Now or no? Before? I'm saying for for your parents. Like oh, my parents. For them, uh, slip, for, for not hearing them. Well, honestly, English. it was mostly my dad, my mom. I don't. I rarely heard her say any bad words in English or Spanish. My dad was more like I don't know. It was like an atmosphere of like if you said it in Spanish, it wasn't as serious for okay. some reason. Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But it. I mean, it was still still cussing them out. But right. It wasn't. Somehow it wasn't as serious. Right. Which That's is interesting. interesting. I never thought it about is. that. Yeah. All right. Um, next question. Do you prefer to have people around you, like friends, coworkers, even people you date or marry, do you prefer that they never cuss, cuss a little bit, cuss a lot? I prefer not to hear cussing, frankly. Okay. Okay. Why? Don't need to. It's, you know, well-timed. You know, if it's appropriate, then whatever. But if it's casual, I, I really don't like there. And especially, I don't know if this is part of your, if, if this is coming up, but especially around my kid. Yeah. Because um, there's consequences for her saying it. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are almost none for us to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being aware that if you do say it around your kids, they're going to, they're going to swear. Yeah. yeah. And then there's consequences for them. So it's yeah. almost, it's, that's it's, my next question. So let me for sure. hold on to that for, for, sure. for, for but a little yeah, okay. bit. So my wife does bear, my wife doesn't swear. She, she, and, uh, it's nice. It makes for a nice, pleasant rhetoric in the household. Yeah. So do you prefer friends, I don't care. coworkers? If you do or do not, as long as, and I think I can adapt Right, and know when and where to cuss. Obviously, right yeah, in the courtroom sure. for a living, right? I, I can't yeah. say the same <laughs> thing. But also, like, the people I work with who could be up, you know, professional speaking right there in the courtroom, turn around and we take 10 steps out of the courtroom and we're in the workroom and it's F-bomb after F-bomb uh-huh. or whatever, or some of the most profane speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm the same way. I, I think I probably am a heavier cusser. Um, and just kind of like this kind of setting where we're, if mm. we're just sitting around having mm-hmm. a drink, talking, yep. whatever, I'm probably going to drop a lot more cuss words than, than you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and as long as the people I'm around are cool with that, yeah, I don't care if you do or do not, right? That doesn't change anything. But you don't, I, under, I totally understand that you don't care and I, I want to say I don't care either, but le, forget about the work setting, right? Because we're trying to be quote unquote professional. But what if tomorrow your five closest friends, you're hanging out with them and you're like, ah, oh, fuck this. And, they and the five cussed? of them are like, 
hey, we decided we don't want to cuss anymore. Like, that, don't say it anymore. That's like, where it would get, would that change? That's where it would get weird if it was like, hey, yeah. we don't want you to do it anymore. I'd be like, well, hold on. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, 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 mean, probably, yeah. I probably would also notice though, if, like, because my wife's a big cusser. Yeah, um, and her family is her, is a big. What if your best friends all of a sudden family. and your wife all started saying "oh darn"? It would be I, it would be weird. It would. <laughs> um, so I probably do prefer like a mild bit of cursing and yeah. cuss words, whatever. Yeah. Um, but as long as I don't know, I mean, but but also would I just then change right and, mm-hmm. and adapt to less? Mm-hmm. Here's something cussing, I noticed. I don't know. I, I noticed chatting like um, you know. Being at work and like chatting on whatever Slack, Gchat, whatever team, MS Teams, certain people that I had known for a long time would will not use write fuck. They'll write f, e f f like effing this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I've actually changed to that myself. Yeah. Well, I think that's a big part of Reddit, right? Is you start to and I'm such. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, why why do like, I have to? Exclaim, why do I do have to yeah. write that? That is better, yeah. you know? But I agree, but that makes me think, I think it is better, or whatever you think is better, but it lightens it, obviously. But then, um, I don't want to get political, but sure. but like on Facebook, I have, you know, family that is has a very different political view than me, and they'll write, <clears throat> they'll write like F, a candidate, right? Or they'll write F, with the symbols like that, the ampersand and the hashtag. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And at like, one time I was like, like, I know what you're saying. Why don't you just write the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like, why are you dancing around the word? It's like you're trying to get a taste of it. Yeah. You're trying to put yeah. out a taste of it, but I don't want to say it. Right? Which I understand in some situations. Mm-hmm. Well, like when you're chatting at work, like write F or EF or whatever. But you're right. Why is it different? Or, or and, and like... You're clearly referring to the actual cuss word. Yes. Well, that's what I always... So why not just write the cuss word? But then I also understand why you don't. Like, it's weird, right? Well, I always thought that same thing to me. Like, you know, when you're like... Some of those, like, not necessarily darn, but kind of darn, right? Like, some of those people, like... that. Some of those examples, right, of like those, like, over-the-top things that you would say in place of a curse word. Yeah. In place of a curse word. Like, like, fudge. 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 Right? You're... You've... you've, We all heard it. But I guess you said a different word, sure. But then, why does that not take on the same meaning as the other word? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a really right. Good because point. you, but it needs it that this, connection to the original word because it, it has that same connection, yeah. right? You said that word and replaced the other word to mean what the other word, yeah, was going to mean, right? Yeah. So then, why is that not a bad that's word? Really interesting. I never thought it gains that. power by being connected to the original. Yeah, that's right. Right, and like you're not using it to describe the food. Yeah. Fudge, you're using it yeah. as a profane word. My dad, well, growing up, my dad always would be like, oh, sugar. Like, he'd hit himself, and he'd be like, oh, sugar. And it's like, yeah. because it's shh. Yeah, right? like, of course. He but, didn't say, oh, but, beer, oh, oh bread. Pookie, oh, yeah. But your, point, <laughs> your right? point of there's consequences for kids hearing it and saying yeah. it. Yeah. Right? So I wonder if there's something that's my, that. That's my next yeah. quick question, because I want to wrap this up in like 10 minutes. Uh, we all have young kids. How do you approach cussing with your kids? Struggle with it. And, and it's interesting because I know the two of you, I know Zach will drop F-bombs in front of his kids because cause he has no, I'm not saying he doesn't care, but he has a different approach to it. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend in El Paso, uh, Sergio, he's young kids. He's like, we cuss all, you, all the cuss words in front of our kids, but we also teach them how and when to use them. Correct. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. and then it sounds like you don't use them all because you don't want your young daughter using them. And I'm kinda of, I'm kind of in the middle. I try to I try to never use it, but they slip out. And mm-hmm. I I've told my young son who's six, sometimes dad's gonna say some cuss words, but they're not meant for kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. What what do y'all think? So yeah, I've typically been on that side of wanting to be able to say them and I do say them. Um, and it's more of having that conversation of it's gotten tougher the more I've heard them slip up every once in a while or maybe they've, you know, let on that they definitely know them mm-hmm. in the right context mm-hmm. even yeah. without saying them. Um, but it's just having that conversation. And, and I, I do enjoy that, right, of there, there's no such thing as a bad word. There's a right time, a wrong time, a right way. There's disrespectful uses of words. 
um, and having those kind of conversations and just knowing like, hey, you're a kid and, you know, your words have consequences, like you were mm-hmm. saying, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a conversation I have all the time with, with my oldest and, you know, soon to be my youngest, right? Like what you might say in front of me may not be okay in front of your mom, may not be okay always in front of me, right? Maybe it might be okay when you're at school, right? Your words can get you in trouble real mm-hmm. quick, mm-hmm. right? Making sure, and that's tougher for kids, right? Because they don't fully understand that. Yeah. But I think also having those conversations is, I don't know, I think beneficial, but I don't totally, know. Totally, totally is, totally is. And, and it's easy like, in my household just because, like I was saying, like my wife doesn't swear, and so, you know, you know, being with my wife now for seven years, like our household language just is right yeah evolved in that way we just like yeah. the swears don't come up um but i do i do think about it when i'm around other people who are yeah. natural swears I guess. yeah well that's why I and my daughter being around them and it's 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 interesting because it's like anything else right like we can't entrust it's our job as parents in my opinion to in, n- n- mitigate like what our children can and cannot do with the tools they have, right? Yeah. yeah. I drink beer, you know, in front of my dog. Yeah. yeah. So how's that any different, really? It's yeah. 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 How's that any different? She can open the fridge. She can open a can of Sprite. Why can't she open a can of Coors yeah. Light? Yeah. yeah. For me, what's most interesting is when it's easy when I'm just around my kids, right? And I'm not cussing. And it's easy when I'm around my best friends. I'm cussing a lot. It's weird when those two words collide, yeah. right? When you're somewhere and your kids are right next, like and around you, and, your, kids, yeah. and your best friends are there, and like my brain is aware, my kids right here, but sometimes it forgets. And I'm like, oh, like fuck yeah, what are you doing this weekend or whatever? And I'm like, oh shit, like my kid just <laughs> hurt me. I'm like my just my kid just hurt me, and then I gotta like, okay, I gotta address it now with my kid, or later I gotta remember like, yeah. hey, like you can hear me cuss sometimes yeah. around my, and and we have this thing now with my six year old is like. If he hears his cuss, we owe him a dollar. Oh, heck, I paid him a dollar. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I struggle the most with that around other people's kids. I'm surprised right. Robert hasn't caught me with that yet. Right. Um, right. But, yeah. But I, I, I struggle with that where I, I've, I've definitely caught myself where I, I say a cuss word and it's like right in front of someone else's kid. Like almost like I'm saying it to the child. You know, not really, but you know what I mean? Like they're, they're that connected into yeah. the conversation. You're like, yeah, my bad didn't mean like it just yeah. came out because I'm talking to you and yeah and the then you gotta think about their parents to, perspective right because I you, know, you, you want to respect yeah. that yeah. like above anything else right I don't know what you, you know your level is or someone else's is and, and and you're like that's where I've always I feel like struggled with recently um but with my kids I try to be as authentic and real with them as as I would be with someone else and 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 that means sometimes that even in a direct conversation with them I may slip up and say something and address it right then and, and if they hear it they know like that's yeah, just you know how some people are going to talk and you got to know when and where you can exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is interesting that you did a whole podcast on swearing and the, the nine filthy words and you didn't once mention George Carlin in the yeah. seven dirty word bit that's yeah. true and I was a little offended by that <laughs> that's true that's true go listen to George Carlin uh, I'm sure you can find that on YouTube yeah uh, Go look up nine nasty words from uh, a linguist, uh, John McWhorter. Very interesting That's... book. Um, do y'all want to? I don't know. I don't know if this cuts me off at an hour. We're at fifty-eight minutes. Should we cut it here? Or do you want to do one more topic? We can try and squeeze it in. All right. Let's see. If uh, audience, if you get cut off in a minute, uh, thank you for yourself. listening. That go fuck yourself. <laughs> Right. But thank you for listening to the episode. Uh, Just know what we said was fucking Yeah, <laughs> if this keeps recording, we're going to do one more topic. Um, so the last topic is, should food packaging have warning labels? And the reason I bring this up is because Mexico has begun to add warning labels on food products. And the warning labels are these like, um, you know, these, these, these pentagram, is it not pentagram, <laughs> pentagon. <laughs> Pentagram is very different. Yeah. Pentagon-shaped black uh, uh, shapes with white writing, so it stands yep. out, yep. that say excessive sugar or excessive sodium, excessive trans fat. Um, and they have also, they're starting to not allow food packages that have these, that are unhealthy to have mascots on the packaging. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is connected to the fact that Mexico has had a you know pretty big health pandemic. Um, you know, United States also has that same issue. Um, and so first I'll, I want to point out some of the obviously some food makers are not happy with this. People that package the foods and make the foods that are putting out chips and candies and muffins and all these snacks. They're not happy with this labeling. Um, but let me point out a couple of loopholes, which I think are Tobacco interesting. Tobacco wasn't happy about those labelings. Oh, for sure. Right? Oh, I think we're going to get cut off because it's, yep, it's, it's red. It's going red. All right. Thank you for listening. I'll make another episode talking about food packages.